0: Welcome to Behavior Analysis in Practice, the podcast. Behavior Analysis in Practice is the podcast committed to narrowing the research practice gap and demystifying the research process. Each episode, will take a deep dive into the latest work published in the journal Behavior Analysis in Practice by interviewing each paper's author about the topic. We'll explore the nuances of the paper and ask the questions you wish you could ask after reading it. Hey, everyone, welcome back. I'm your host, Cody Morris, assistant professor at Solvay Regina University. And today I'm speaking with Tim Courtney about his paper focused on establishing and leveraging the expertise of advisory boards. Tim earned his doctorate in business administration from Benedictine University in 2020. In 2006, he completed his Master of Science in Applied Behavior Analysis from the Florida Institute of Technology and became a BCBA. Tim has worked in the field of ABA since 2003 with different organizations across the United States and is nationally recognized as an expert in navigating medical necessity. Tim was awarded the Implementation Award at the Autism Law Summit in 2019. The award highlights his values for ethical and effective practices for individuals with autism. I'm really excited to share my interview with Tim I personally learned a lot from the interview, I had never really thought of or done much research in the way of advisory boards and really what that means. I suspect that this will be a new topic to many of you, and I think you may get a lot out of it. So without further ado, here's my interview with Tim Courtney. Hello, Tim, and welcome to behavior analysis and practice the podcast.
1: Hello. Super excited to be here.
0: Thanks for joining us. We're really excited to, to hear about your paper focused on advisory boards for behavior analytic organizations. Super fascinating topic. Something, I'll be honest with you, I've never even remotely thought of before seeing your paper.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what we, you know, it was a big reason for doing it. I think it's, it's something that not a lot of... ABA organizations are, are familiar with and aware of. And, you know, it's just been so beneficial to be both on advisory boards and to, to have an advisory board and a group of mentors and such that could really help uh, improve practice. So it's, it's something we really wanted to make people more aware of.
0: And it's super, super helpful uh, topic. As you said, not a lot of people necessarily even know about them. And so to, to bring it up as a possibility, I think really beneficial to the field. Before we get too deep into the paper, I'd like to hear a little bit about yourself, your background, and, and what would lead you to writing a paper like this?
1: Yeah. So I uh, originally went through FIT and got my master's in behavior analysis. Before that, I was a BCABA and you know worked in schools and group homes. And you know I've worked with people with intellectual developmental disabilities and uh, you know, typically developing kids with just behavior issues. And so I, you know, I've had a had a wide variety, I spent a lot of time working with individuals with autism. And that's, you know, where I've, where I've done the vast amount of my experience. And, you know, I've always, you know, been fairly radical in my approach behaviorally. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, just undoubtedly just the most effective way of addressing, you know, all kinds of behavioral issues. And, and just of, Seeing the power, and you know, just really wanted to to spread that. And um, for about the last, you know, five or six years, I've moved to more uh, leadership and executive kind of roles, and you know, moving more into an OBM kind of capacity. You know, creating systems, monitoring systems, and uh, the vast majority, probably, you know, the first three years was just trying to figure out how to navigate insurance billing and all those kind of really, you know, unsexy parts of the science, Mm -hmm. but, you know, just real necessary aspects to to do. And, um, and in part of, you know, just being involved in operations and systems, you know, there was, you know, work and I'm at a nonprofit now, so we have a board of directors. And so we were interacting with the board of directors and, you know, for several years we had an advisory board. And so it was, You know, that was a big piece is kind of working with an advisory board. And then I also was on the Data Finch advisory board for a brief period of time. And, you know, so had that aspect of being um, on an advisory board also. So both of those really led to kind of the idea around this paper. And, you know, Dr. LeBlanc and I, I was at um, at a Data Finch advisory board meeting and was just really impressed with how it was structured and things were laid out and you know the way it was set up and arranged and was also thinking about you know how 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 much time and energy and effort uh, we would go about to setting up an advisory board and so we were over like a breakfast kind of talking about wow wouldn't this be kind of interesting for a paper and I was really curious like if we did an article about you know something like this would would there be interest and and you know we were both thought that there would be and that there was a Likely a significant gap, you know, in 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 the research base around uh, advisory boards. And as we dug in, like it was really clear there is a huge gap here, you know, in regards to any information about advisory boards, even outside of behavior analysis. You know, there's you know not a lot of of research studies out there, or just papers, or you know it, it gets. You know, fairly loose. You might find blog posts and stuff, but I mean, there's not a lot of really good information out there about advisory boards. So that's that. Really, what led to um, taking on you know, doing doing a paper like this?
0: Nice. Yeah, I've done a lot of reading in leadership, management, supervision. I've never seen anything talking about advisory boards, the utility, how to set them up. You would think that. That might come up in some of those those books, articles, things like that. But you're right; there, it's it's completely scarce and guidance for something like this.
1: Yeah, the uh, and you know, if you look at what, what's interesting, even outside of ABA, like in in tech, even in like high tech firms, you know, these billion dollar tech firms, you'll see, you know, they'll have a group of mentors, a group of advisors, you know, often working with the CEO. And in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, There's regular posts, you know, where you see where it'll have like a CEO. There was recently it was the CEO of Yahoo was talking about their mentors or, you know, there was in this last week, there was this billionaire tech guy who's, you know, just kind of starting some stuff. And he was talking through his group of mentors. So you'll see like most companies need mentorship. They need advisors. They need people that they can kind of count on to help help really inform what's going to be the ideal ideal path, you know, and how to address a lot of the complexity that comes up, you know, when you're running an
0: organization. That makes sense. To go a little bit into your background, because I'm interested, you mentioned a lot of sort of clinical applied focus. When you were at Florida Institute of Technology, were you getting your degree focused in OBM or were you applied and then naturally yeah. went into the OBM side?
1: Yeah, I was totally 100% clinical. I was on fire to do <laughs> All the amazing stuff and was, you know, just uh, it was so awesome to just like be a part of helping people that were just really in a tough place in their life and working with families and just being part of that was was amazing. But, you know, to be honest, there was, you know, this statement and it was, you know, by Skinner where he talked about case studies, you know, and he was like, "Ah, I was never really terribly interested in case studies or these single, like he was he was interested in things that were going to affect lots and lots of people. Right. You know, and so, I mean, it was, and so it was really great to be part of a lot of you know amazing outcomes for you know individuals across you know varying degrees and situations, but to also be able to create systems and to you know start doing that, and the the behavioral lens just lends itself very nicely for taking on a lot of the business complexity and leadership complexity, and you know I recently completed my doctorate in business administration, you know, with, uh, and so that's where, you know, even just the, the leadership components and understanding a lot of areas have been, uh, you know, it's been real beneficial having just that behavioral underpinnings. It's, I kind of feel like it's a superpower to be honest. Like I can, can look at things very differently than a lot of others that, are, you know, when they're approaching just business or leadership. That
0: makes sense. I have a lot of my students, end up being interested in in the OBM side of things and I think it's often a something that students have to think about getting into their master's degree do they want to get a master's degree that's completely focused on the OBM side of things or do sort of a clinical applied focus and then somehow sort of naturally head into the OBM side of things so what did that path look like for you?
1: Yeah and I I honestly think it It really depends on are you going to think about doing systems that are going to be for ABA organizations? You know, it's really beneficial if you're going to go that route or if you're going to be a consultant with businesses, you know, and so there's, you know, just I, I think that would really be a distinguishing factor for me, if I was going to kind of think about like, Hey, do I just want to go out and help companies? Then I probably would just be just more OBM focused from day one and trying to just dive in as much as, and be real specialized in OBM. But then also, you know, just thinking broader, like you really want to understand the leadership literature. You really want to understand business as well. Like there's a range of things that you you would want to explore. And, and be specialized in versus if you're going to be in ABA and healthcare, like it's so important to have done the clinical work, understand the clinical work, and you can actually become like this subject expert leader, you know, so you're kind of already know, and you can you can sit in a clinical meeting and understand what's going on, but you can, you can also think at that other layer where I want to put the systems in place. And, you know, I want to, you know, thinking more about like, well, you know, how, how, how much is it going to cost? And, you know, how do I structure the uh, employee hours and, you know, how are we going to be able to get reimbursed for this? And so you, you think that extra, you know, you're just going to put that extra layer around it where always I'm it's, everything is always about like, how are we going to be the most effective? How are we going to get outcomes and how can we start scaling that? And, you know, what, what needs to be in place to make sure that we can do that. So um, for me, going in the, you know, knowing that I was just going to stay in ABA and, you know, for the rest of my career, just want to kind of be involved with ABA. That path was real ideal for me, but, you know, I could totally see um, both paths and, you know, being able, and even now I probably could pivot. And if I wanted to get some more OBM and, you know, further expand out and could, you know, start uh, doing consultations with other industry and business, which which I think would be super exciting and fun.
0: What an amazing, nugget of information and perspective, as you were saying that the, the difference between going into sort of regular business or focus on the autism side of things, I'll tell you, it's going to really help my advising, just being able to repeat what you said in the difference between which one you want to focus on. I have so many students interested in this. So thank you for that. Yeah. Now, I want to revisit the fact that you said your, your PhD is actually focused in business. Can I ask why focus your PhD in that rather than ABA or or maybe even OBM?
1: Yeah. So I, um, and I actually went instead of the PhD route, I went the DBA route, Mm. you know, and so getting a doctorate in, in business administration, because I, to be honest, like I super admire all the research and publications and things that are going on, you know, and, and, you know, being a faculty member and doing all those things is, is amazing and super important. But, you know, for me, I'm real practice focused. I want to do things that are for practitioners. I'm, you know, I'm I'm more using my experience as well as knowledge to. And so a DBA was a real natural fit for me. Like it just made kind of a lot of sense. And, you know, and similar to like what we were talking about, like it, you know, I feel like, you know, I, I, I don't have. A lot of aspirations for further expanding clinical, you know, and, and being, and doing a lot more on the clinical side. Like I'm much more interested in, in leadership and management and organizations and, you know, structuring systems. So uh, that's why I chose to, to branch out and instead of, you know, further going and and I got my uh, my DBA and values-driven leadership. And so it was very broad. And, and again, like um, there's so much of just fluffy, fluffy stuff when it gets into leadership and management. And it was, there were times where I was cringing, but, you know, I, and I, and I'm, we can be kind of difficult in, in certain settings, you know, when you're like the only one that's like, Hey, I want to really understand what this means. And, you know, how is this done? And what, you know, how Here's do we the know data. that works? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and, and if you're, you can, you know, it's when you move out into the business realm, and and this is where another area where I think it, Aubrey Daniels is just an amazing example of this, you know, where he just takes the science, and he understands what what different approaches to leadership and what they're trying to do. And then he just makes it he kind of blends them together and makes it real palatable for the business leaders, you know, where, you know, if you go in it, and you're trying to be just very dry and data-driven and, you know, making it conceptual so where you would impress your professors. And, and I mean, there are a lot of business people that you just, you won't even get in the door, you right. know, and much less to get them to invest in and make major changes within their company structure. Like that takes being able to talk their language and being able to meet them where they're at and guide them. But always knowing, just like everything, it's like, I, I want to know that it's effective. I want to want to be able to see... The concepts and principles at work and, you know, seeing, finding those is, you know, where having a, a pretty advanced understanding of uh, behavioral principles has been really ideal to be able to do that. And there are definitely areas where I'm like, man, you know, just not seeing, it and that's, I, you know, wouldn't further use those, you know, I'm trying to, we try to isolate more to things that I can understand. And, and, it, and again, like, it's still, pretty amazing where you can see through a lot of this stuff like it's you know you cut through a lot of the fluff and you can see like well, really it's just this you know but you know if we want if you want me to say it that way and talk about <laughs> it that way we can totally do that you know but i know in the back of my like it's just this you know yeah. and, but it's yeah so I, I i think it it just you know made a lot of sense for me to kind of go go that route
0: that makes sense and and we need it in the field right we think about the growth of our field, we need people who have expertise in the administrative side, the structure side, the system side of things, because so many practitioners are entering the field. So many organizations are popping up. And from my perspective as an academic, speaking to students who are going out and working, realistically, their primary difficulties that they experience are related to the administrative side of things, the structure side of things, the business side of things.
1: Yep. I think that's absolutely the case. And it is a little interesting at times where somebody would go through all their clinical training with the idea of starting their own practice. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and, you know, dentists encounter this, you know, uh, physicians encounter it where they'll get all of their clinical training and, you know, and then they uh, will go out and, and now they have to run a business. Right. And so but it'll have no business background, no business experience, no understanding. And in fact, you know, at times it it can be, you know, kind of where you can feel kind of even uncomfortable, maybe is like, I got to think about the revenue around these things. Like, I just want to help people. And is it wrong if we're making money and, you know, but being able to understand that that just is what's going to be used to support your structure and expand you out and you know make you more effective and can can also just be able to to at fairly compensate people like that's that's okay that you know people can can make good money and do amazing work like that's that's not a bad thing you know and so but to do that you got to think about cost you yeah. got to think about revenue you got to be able to and that's a different mindset as well like you know most people behavior analysts and, you know, we're all guilty of it. Just we'll want to, at, at the, to make sure that we're making outcomes can, can do things that are just not sustainable and can right. can kind of get it at a level where it's like, do we really have to do all of that? I mean, is there more parsimonious, more, you know, simple ways that we could, could achieve similar kind of results. And if there's not, there's not like it's, then we just need to figure out a way that we can, can, can sustain that and reimburse that and, and make sure that we can do that. So it's, Um, It it will be really, really important, just like you're saying, I think is more and there has been so many examples of where, you know, you'll have a a brand new behavior analyst, they'll get out, they'll get into an area where there's, you know, lots of need, and they'll start their own practice and they'll get to a certain scale where they're like, ah, they start freaking out. And they, you know, I have absolutely been approached by, you know, these companies that are doing really, really well, these practices, and they're just like, "Ah, it's too much now, can you just take it over? Can you help? you know, kind of just take us from here. And, you know, it's, um, so that that's really kind of a bummer where you get to a point where, wow, you can kind of have a lot of success now, but it gets to be overwhelming because you just don't have a lot of the structure, don't understand, don't want to look at, at those levels. So it's, um, it will be really important for those that are just wanting to go out and get into practice. Like you'll absolutely need to understand the business side of, of ABA.
0: That makes sense. And, and one of the resources for that, potentially advisory boards right to segue into the paper you wrote and so you said at the beginning of our interview you said you've been on both sides right and that's right. part of your interest in writing a paper like this so can you introduce I guess the concept of advisory boards to those of us who are, are new to the area?
1: Sure you know and I uh, it, it, when you think about the advising side of an advisory board right and that's one thing that we really highlight in the paper and and try to make it distinct from you know a board of directors so even you know nonprofits and for-profits will have a board of director and so you know they with the board they're they're mainly focused on governance so you'll have a group and they they just want to look at, the governance of the organization, you know, they'll have some fiduciary responsibilities, making sure it's sustainable and, you know, that it's, you can, you can sustain what's going on. And so it's, uh, and so they're, they're a different level of kind of oversight and responsibility. There are different kinds of things you want to bring to a board of director versus an advisory board is amazing because they don't have any of those responsibilities. right? Right. And so you, you'll get this, group of people and we'll talk a little bit about how you select that group but you know you'll get this group of people and their whole goal is to just you know be able to advise you on you know what's going on in the field what are what are you know various challenges that they're seeing you know from a very broad perspective because they're you know often you're going to get advisors that are you know just in, in they're interacting with lots of different companies, lots of different organizations lots, lots of different parts of the field whether mm-hmm. it's university level at you know at, at, at really you know just multiple different different aspects and so they'll be able to to really advise you on a lot of different things that are com- kind of coming within the, within the field with things that you need to be getting prepared for and just general ideas, like getting into innovation and, you know, like, how can we, what are some things we should be thinking about doing it differently? Like it's, you know, to have this group that can just throw things out there and, you know, it's, it's then on you, you know, to, to, to d- decide, you know, how you're going to approach those suggestions. You know, you don't have to implement them. Like there are a lot of times recommendations and, you know, things that are getting put out, but you, you really just have this, group of mentors, advisors, people that want you to be successful. Like they want your company to do well. They want ABA to, to be seen as, as being effective. And so you're, you're really, you know, have this, this great group and that's their whole goal. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, versus like in a board of directors, they want you to be effective, but they also have to think about the company and governance. And, you know, so there's a lot of other where they're free from this. Like they can just throw things at you that, you know, maybe there's, you know, just you're not in a place to do it now, but now it's at least planted in your head and it's an idea and and it comes from a good place. It's coming from like, wow, if you could do this, this could really help you get to that next level.
0: Would, would it be fair to say that a board of advisors or advisory board is almost a board of, of mentors or it's sort of mentorship versus maybe board of directors would be like supervision. Is that overly simplifying that?
1: No, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's getting more in that, that range where, and the, the only thing is, and I, you know, board of directors is a whole other area that's, you know, super, cause it's, you know, they're, really shouldn't be even into the supervision side, you know, that's right. getting very, you know, much into, you know, running your company. So you'll have like separate people in there that should be in management and leadership and, you know, you'll have those levels. So, you know, your board of directors really shouldn't be getting into that level, but they're more just kind of general oversight. They want to yeah. make sure, you know, leadership is making the right decisions that are you know going to be you know able to be funded and you know can aren't going to run the company into the ground and you know they're you know they're they're more that like oh, we got to make sure this company is going to be able to to sustain and that the mission everything that's going on was within the mission but you, you know, you'll know you have your executive leadership that's going to be you know much more involved in getting things done right so it's they you, you never want your board directors getting at that level but
0: right um, like the management side of things making sure it's operationally this, this organization is going the direction it needs to go.
1: Correct. And, it and, and really ultimately that it, it can sustain, like you're just not mm-hmm. going to make decisions that are just, you, you can't, we don't have the funding for, I mean, it's really just like, and it, and and you'll have other people within your company that will, you know, be able to should be informing that and being able to think about those things. But then, you know, ultimately you'll, you'll have a board of directors that you're accountable to um, versus Advisors is much more in that mentorship side. Like it definitely, you're, you're spot on there that they're just really helping to mentor the company of sorts, you know, and not necessarily any of the individuals that are interacting with them, but they're more like thinking about the entire company. And, you know, you just have this separate group that's, you know, they're they're not obligated to, you know, any any kind of responsibility to the company at all, none. Right. right. You know, they're just free from any of that. You know, you're not even even under a when you bring in consultants, that's a different kind of relationship as well. Like when you come in, so if we had any of these advisors, we haven't come in as a consultant. That's just a very different kind of relationship. They're they're also going to want to suggest things that they know can be implemented right now, that you can, and then they feel a responsibility to the, to make sure those things are being effective and done but our advisors are free from that like these when you have a, an advisory board they can just really come in and ultimately you know just can relax and kind of get a sense of what's going on and can interact with each other and you know really just help help provide suggestions as, as to how you can thrive as a company
0: in the paper you describe one of the ways of ensuring that there is no real obligation there. There are no pressures related to their involvement, relates to the financial arrangements. Can, can you speak to what that would would look like?
1: Yeah. And so the, you know, the, and there are a couple of different ways that advisors are funded, you know, like where, you know, they may have where, you know, they're, you know, you're paying them. Um, you can have paid advisors, you can have advisors that are, you know, will have, just some type of, you know, stipend or some other kind of w- way in which you can, can have them funded. Or, or there are there some advisors that are just voluntary? So you can have, you know, voluntary advisors as well. So, I mean, there are different, different ways kind of around that. And, but always you, you just want to make it very clear, like none of, none of the financial arrangement is around performance of the company, right? I mean, it, mm. those things aren't connected. You aren't, you know, it's you know they're they're kind of free from any of that. You just going to want to make sure that you're uh, that you can uh, be able to continue. And and often, like there's a lot of costs that go into an advisory board, and so you'll want to think through a lot of that, and you know make sure that you can have a lot of those uh, a lot of those resources and funds in place to determine you know which which route you go. But you know, ultimately, you can kind of you, you want to make sure you're disconnecting it, and it's it's not looked like a consulting relationship. You're not bringing them in as a consultant. They're not, you know, compensated as if they were consultants, but you could have advisors that get into consulting role. And we have had that happen where now you are a consultant. There's a different kind of relationship that we're moving into and being able to kind of have those distinct and different hats, you know, is, you know, and really just being someone who's done consulting as well. Like it is, it is very, very different than when you're just like, yeah, let's hear what's going on. Let me give you suggestions and recommendations versus I have this specific problem. And I, my whole goal is to, to help provide consultation so that we can over, overcome that and kind of move into a different direction. So yeah, I think there's a lot of ways you structure that you, you can, you know, structure it into your ag- agreement letter with the advisor you know when they're coming on, and you'll have you know some some contract language, some things that you'll put to put in place, and you know around that you want to you know make sure that you can clearly distinguish this relationship.
0: In, in the paper, and part of what we've spoken about to this point is there are a number of use cases for an advisory board. One of the ones we've kind of spoken about so far is sort of helping with direction to a certain extent. You also talked about transparency from an organizational standpoint. Can you speak to some of those benefits and, and maybe some of the other benefits that an advisory board brings?
1: Yeah, um, you know, and some of the trends, And I think this is an, another area where, you know, it, when you when you look at advisory boards and you and actually even you know digging into a little bit of the stuff that's out there, you'll see even where some. Sometimes companies are bringing on advisors just for their name, right? right? And so you'll you'll have this kind of bringing them on in name, and I just think that's such just a, a misuse and under underutilization of just an amazing resource to just and and from my experience when I've talked to advisors that have been you know maybe in those type of situations, I mean they're you know they want to be doing things and kind of you know and so. In the, in the kind of transparency, what's really great with them is like, you can share a lot of information with your advisors. You can really let them know all kinds of things. So being very open about like, this is not going good as well. And, and that can be really intimidating when you have these amazing, brilliant people that you respect highly within the field and being able to go in there and say, like, this is not working at all. Like, this is a real mess. And you know the, these are some of the impacts. And, you know, this is what, what, what could happen to the company if we continue here and, you know, what kind of ideas and suggestions and recommendations, but, you know, being, you know, you can, you really open up anything and everything. I mean, you just have, have a confidential relationship with them and, you know, they're kind of bound to confidentiality around sharing kind of a lot of other things. So, you know, that, that kind of transparency really helps as well. And, and, facilitating that relationship and being able to make sure that you can can really connect with the advisors
0: now for organizations that are establishing advisory boards do you get the sense that it's beneficial to have an advisory board focused on whatever your sort of immediate need is perhaps so i'm a new organization i'd like to start doing research within my organization. Do I create an advisory board specific to that? Is that one of the use cases?
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it, and we provide some suggestions in the paper, like trying to assess when you're ready, Mm. you know, to, to start an advisory board. And I think that gets into some, some of the areas that you're kind of talking about is, you know, you, uh, you, when you, when you have like, when you're kind of in a lot of turmoil and you're having lots of problems, not the ideal time probably to bring on an advisory board. I mean, you really want to be in this unique space where things are going pretty well. You're pretty comfortable. You're in a situation where you have the resources to be able to, to, to support an advisory board. And, but now you want to really understand a lot more and, and, and have this opportunity to connect with these mentors. And, That's where you can be pretty strategic and selecting. So that's where I would, you know, if you wanted to have more of a research arm, I would look to select an advisory board member who's done a lot of that, who maybe has some experience who, you know, and could, you know, we we were real fortunate. We had a couple of different advisory board members that I've interacted with, like Dr. Reed. Danny Reed's just a great resource around that, where he's done a lot of practical kind of things. It could bring a, a How do we kind of, could we research and write this up and what are the different ways that we could uh, get the field, make the field aware of these type of areas and, you know, working with Linda LeBlanc and, you know, just having um, lots of opportunities to have an advisory board that would, you know, but you might have. Other aspects of practice that you want to have, like maybe in how you address cell or acceleration work or, mm-hmm. you know, just general business and kind of, you know, the systems model and, you know, it's, and then, you know, you might just think about technology. So you, you, your board of advisors would not just have to be groups of, you know, people that are just have expertise in behavior analysis. You could actually branch out and bring in an advisor who is, you know, knows technology well, maybe an IT expertise or a data scientist or somebody who has a real special specialization in, in how to work with big data sets. And, you know, if that's, you know, analytics and, you know, you could have kind of a range, but again, like, remember, they're not going to build anything. They're not going to do anything. They're just going to help kind of like, Hey, here's, here's some things you should be thinking about. And then you, would get consultants and you would, you know, work with others to do those things. So really very important. I can't underscore enough. Like you do not want to put pressure on your, your advisors to, to do things. Right. I mean, that they're kind of expected to make these things happen. Like that's not at all what they're there to do. They're just providing suggestions, recommendations, you know, ideas, um, even letting you know, like, ah, you know, if, if they think something could be problematic. They're helping to, and they just have, they have the free relationship to do that. Like, Ooh, I think this could be a problem. This is why I think it is, but you could still go like, ah, we really thought about that. And you know, we still went forward. Right. You know what I mean? You're not like, you don't have to do anything. Your advisors recommend it. I would say if you want to go contrary to anything, you need to be prepared to talk to them about that for sure. Like you need to say like, Hey, it was so amazing. It gave us lots of insight but this is why we still decided to go this way. You could totally do that. You want to have advisors, you be like, okay, I understand that. Like it's, you have a lot of other things you need to be thinking about. You know, my whole goal again is I just wanted you to be aware of this concern and you're aware of it and you still chose to go that way. That's fine. You know, or they may, you know, have recommendations for things that they want you to do. And you're like, you just, for whatever reason, decide you're not in a position to do it right now. And you again, want to be really transparent around those things as well. Like if it's, you know, if you're, if they're over and over again suggesting the same things and nothing's getting done, like you're, you're gonna burn through your advisors quickly. You know they wanna. We love like when we come back to meet, sharing stories about like here are the thing, the recommendations you made. Here are the thing. Here's how we put that in, into uh, implementation, and here you know here what some of the impacts of that on the company. And being able to share those stories is real powerful reinforcers for your advisors. So you wanna make sure that you're doing that. But if they're just constantly like making the same kind of recommendations here in the same kind of issues and not feeling like they're having an impact. I mean, you're, you're going to really run into a lot of problems with your
0: advisors. That makes sense. And it makes sense that their job is not to dig you out of an issue or to put in a bunch of work to, to build something. As you said, that's, that's consultants, Would that also potentially be part of the board of directors sort of help guiding something that's establishing
1: well, they're again like you do not want your board of directors to get at that level either. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to be more like looking at the overall company governance in general, right? You gotcha. want your like leadership team would really be responsible for getting those things done. You might have your various department leaders, but you know, ultimately, you'll have executive leaders that are responsible for those things happening and responsible for the, you know, effectiveness of those those different ventures or different aspects of your organization. Um, but, you know, you, you, for sure, if you're wanting something built, you're wanting something, it's going to be done under working with various vendors or consultants. You I mean, you'll have, you know, different, different, different ways of achieving that, but it's not your advisors.
0: Gotcha. Uh, yeah. And you previously mentioned one of the things you need to be very mindful of is actually utilizing your board of advisors. If you don't, you're certainly not reinforcing their behaviors and then you ha- you have to ask yourself the question why in the world would somebody want to be a board uh, on the board of advisors for my organization if I don't ever listen to them. In your paper, you talk about the benefits of advisory board members. You know, why would they why would they want to serve in this role? And so, could you hit some of the points of, of that section that we haven't already talked about?
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a, a really neat thing. And I think it's, this would be another important thing to think about because when you're, you're going to want to approach various area, you know, various professionals to get them to be on your uh, board. And so one way is to think about it's like, how is this beneficial for them?
0: Hmm. And,
1: you know, one way that we've seen, you know, that's, you know, uh, is, is how they're having an impact on the company, how they're going to have an impact on the industry, on the field, you know. And so being able to understand, like, we're really wanting to do good work. And, you know, here's how, you know, you can really help us do that. And, you know, here are ways in which we also see that could help the field and, you know, could help support, you know, the various ventures that are going on out there. But also um, is, you know, being able to interact with the other advisory board members. Like that's another really huge reinforcer again, like knowing as being on an advisory board and, and, and even as part of like the, the process of getting on, like it was, you know, I was able to even say like, Oh, I haven't really worked well with this person. I would love to hear more about what they're doing, have an opportunity to connect with them. And then you'll have like, uh, you know, you might have somebody who's kind of chairing the board, or you might have someone in executive leadership, but you'd have someone with a responsibility like, okay, Tim said, you know, he wants to connect with this person, like, let's see how we can make that happen and see how we could structure that. But you want to have somebody who that their responsibility would be for making that happen and keeping track of that, you know, because it might not be in this next meeting. But at some point, I got to make sure Tim can over overlap and connect with this person, because that's going to be, you know, one thing that's going to really help reinforce that. And, you know, just understanding as well, like just, You know, when, how, uh, when the, when the board meetings are happening and being able to structure the meetings to various expertise, you know, we'll often have breakout meetings and in those breakout meetings, you'd want to have it to where you're going to bring advisors to where they can, can really be in a situation where they're going to, you know, be in in a place of strength. And, you know, the kinds of questions that are going to kind of come to them, the kind of things they're going to be talking about is not overly demanding. Right. So I'm not going to ask you to come and have to generate some new kind of talk or presentation or something that you haven't done. It's going to be, you know, here, here are things that you're really good at talking about. And I know you're talking about I, you know, we're often scanning to see what are some recent presentation advisory board members have done. And like, hey, can can you provide a little summary of that and you know to to the to the group and you know so it's kind of low effort but huge impact ways in which they can can really be seen and then like the goal is like let's find stories of how that helped us right and so we're spending time between meetings like keeping track and finding stories because you want as much as possible to to continue to highlight like wow you made this recommendation this is how this is what impact that have. i think that's going to be your main reinforcer and, and ultimately it's reinforcing the right things, right? Like you generated ideas, those ideas were super helpful. And these are the ways in which it helped us. Like, it's not like you had to do something, you know, we're, we're now want you to do other things. Like you generated these ideas and we put, we, we uh, implemented them. Right. So, and, and this is the kind of impact it had. And, or even, you know, if you go in different directions, this is how it informed that, right. This, that insight was amazing. And, you know, we could we might have went this direction or we, you know, even at times where ah, we we decided to still go this way and you and if they're right, like you want to come back and like you were right, like we really shouldn't have done that. And, you know, this we, we did run into those issues that you were saying. And, you know, it's being being comfortable and, and saying that. And that's where I still that, you know, transparency of just being being willing to like be authentic and genuine and understanding that, yeah, I mean, there are any kind of Anything you think that there might be anything just that you're uncomfortable with from an ethical perspective of their, you know, that they're a great resource to be just like, ah, what do you think about this? Is this problematic? Here's why we think it's okay. But here's the question marks we have. And, and again, like they're just making suggestions They're they're you know, they're, they're helping to kind of inform. And, you know, that's been another just great additional resource because there's, often like these ethical dilemmas that are super complicated and, you know, understanding all the different pieces to that and just having this other resource where you could kind of, you know, further understand that has been, you know, just a great, a great additional part of, of having an advisory board member. But, you know, those are the, those are the kind of the main things we, we highlighted in the paper as far as, and there are other kind of cool things to be thinking about is like, you know, just dinners and, you know, other opportunities to, to kind of connect. And, you know, there are, um, you know, you might have, you know, just other little things, ways of, of saying, thank you, you know, cause people are, these advisors have, you know, really busy schedules and, you know, their time is extremely valuable and, you know, they're often doing it at a very discounted rate, you know, compared to what they, they maybe could get compensated in other places. So just having ways of thanking them and, you know, just having, you know, an idea of things that they really like and enjoy and, you know, finding ways in which you can, can say thank you by, by delivering a lot of those is something else that's really helpful.
0: Well, that makes a lot of sense. And thinking about it from that behavior analytic perspective, as you said, for the most part, the sort of draw to an advisory board is not going to be financial interest. Most of the time, it should be a, almost a token amount of money that, that's being given to them almost as just a, a thank you more than compensation. And so what are the reinforcers, right? That, like as you were saying, that I put recommendations in and they're actually implemented, right? Low amount of response effort causing big effect, that's going to be reinforcing or or that social connection piece to other advisory board members. I like the idea of thinking about those things. What would motivate somebody to want to be on an advisory board and then making this happen? And I loved your suggestion about making sure they know it, right? We're going to have stories about this. You said this, it, it equaled this or resulted in this, right? That's, that's drawing that connection to the consequence, which is brilliant, I think.
1: And those often don't have to be a heavy lift. Like you don't, we have a time show data, and made those a very, you know, database presentation, but there are other times where it's narrative, like, sure. you know, here are the, here are the different things that we, you know, this is the kind of impacts you've had. And, you know, it's, and, you know, I, I know it's been really powerful for, and, and we've gotten feedback like I've been on advisory boards in a lot of places and, you know, what's really amazing here is just to, to hear about how you guys are implementing and doing things and, you know, listening to us. And, you know, it's not like we're having to rehash a lot of the things kind of over and over again. And from, uh, you, you know, on the logistical side, and we get to into some of this on the paper as well, like, there are a lot of logistically, it's it's pretty effortful. And you you want to, be able to keep track of your agendas and things that you've done. And, you know, so, you know, we're often have like a little group and we're kind of coming back together. Like, I think we might've already said that we've already talked about that. Like it's, you don't want to have this, like you want to be real internally being able to filter topics and ideas that, that are, you know, you know, and, and again, like just putting creating situations where you're going to have your advisory board members in a position of strength. They're, they're in an area. It's something they're comfortable with. It's something you know that based on their demonstrated expertise. And there, there could be ways in, you know, you maybe didn't know somebody super uh, talented in this area or has a lot of knowledge and understanding of this until maybe some things have come You're like, wow, they, you know, really understand this well. And then you have dinners where you can, wow, that was amazing what you said. I didn't really understand you were doing a lot of research in this in this space. I didn't know you were, you know, wow, can we... You know, in the future, if we had kind of other opportunities, you know, could we further expand on that, you know, was another um, just you want to spend time doing that like that's another and it it is effortful for sure like we'll create schedules and agendas and binders and any kind of resource that you want them to review prior, which shouldn't be a lot again like you don't want to send a bunch of work to your it should be pretty low effort but there may be a couple of things you want them to kind of look at in advance and you know maybe the weekend before they're coming in or on their flight or whatever you would have you know just a couple of of resources you want them to peek at and you know being well aware of different meetings they may be a part of so they're never taken by surprise and suddenly in a room like i don't know anything about this like why <laughs> why are you asking me about these things? And, you know, they have the, all these BCBAs looking at them for answers and they're, you know, you, n- you don't want that. You want them to be super for everybody's behalf. Like you have all the BCBAs like, wow, this was a waste of our time now that we, <sighs> and it, you know, and it's, and they're really sensitive about time and for good reason. They're busy, busy, busy BCBAs right. are. So you want to make sure it's very advantageous for them. And, you know, so I, I, you want to have, have either a single person, a group of people that are really thinking about the agenda and the time and everything that's going to go on. And we, we get into a a lot of, about that in the paper. So I would really encourage uh, anyone who's, um, you know, you're, you're just starting a company. It's a great time to be thinking about an advisory board. Like when, when could we get one? What would it look like? So you could kind of have a sense of what, how do I approach somebody? What would, you know, what would that, uh, entail? What are some different costs and things I should be thinking about? I mean, we really spend some time to 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 get some awareness and general awareness around uh, those aspects that you can kind of get dig into it a little bit more in the paper. And then, you know, if you're a company and you've been, you know, well-established and you're, you know, want to go to the next level again, like an advisory board, I think would be super helpful for that. And so it's, you're you're in between, you're kind of doing okay and you want to you know, kind of get some, make sure that you're putting other things in place that are going to be effective. It'd be a great time to be thinking about bringing on an advisory board also. And we, you know, we highlight that, highlight a lot of different, different components and things that would be uh, beneficial for having an advisory board.
0: Yeah. Not only do you really go into detail on the aspects of advisory boards that are helpful and, and when you can and should establish an advisory board, you also provide Very helpful and practical resources targeting, you know, the management side of things like the schedule and and how you would reach out to potential advisory board members, all extremely helpful. On the management side of things, on the, the managing the advisory board, as you said before, there are certain things you need to have in place in your organization before you're going to be ready for something like this. It can require quite a bit of resources to successfully utilize an advisory board. So what are some of the, the big, big pieces that you would want in place?
1: Yeah. Um, well, if we look at it from two levels, I think, you know, the one is just having a really uh, highly leveraged agenda. Like you want to have like every minute is accounted for, but it's also like breaks are kind of built in and lunches and times where it's like, Hey, we're not going to get into anything heavy during this time, because it you can bombard your advisory board. I mean, it's uh-huh. very like, oh, we have this amazing resource. I want to just, but now that's super taxing and you don't want it to be that. You want it to be really invigorating for everyone. So you want to think, you know, have, have definitely spend a lot of time having the agenda focused on, like that's really key. And every minute of the agenda, um, you know, as issues are coming up and you're like, oh, this would be great for the agenda, you know, during, in between meetings, there should be lots of activities that are managing the next meeting. Right. So, you know, you're kind of, as things are coming up, you're, Oh, that, that would be a great topic. You'll have all of these great areas and then you'll get to a point where it's like, okay, you know, we have this massive list of cool kind of things to get into. How do we prioritize those? How do we set them up? Who would be ideal for covering these? What, what are areas where like, wow, we don't have any advisor that's really, would be ideal for this. You know, those are great things to be thinking about, like, "Ah, is there other expertise, other advisors that we should be looking to, you know, what are areas that keep kind of showing up where we should, should see about bringing somebody else to the team. Uh, But the, you know, the other is like, you know, travel, you know, you want to have travel kind of taken care of and being able to have someone who's thinking about that, who's, you know, thinking through the different, you know, dinners that may happen and who should be at those and, you know, what's, really great as well is having a sense of, you know, you may have certain board members that are more comfortable with larger dinners and, you know, or you might bring other BCBAs and there are certain times where that's real ideal, but there might be other times where like, let's just keep it real small. And, you know, we want to be able to have conversation, this other kind of conversation, you know, that would lend itself better to a smaller, kind of more intimate kind of dinner. Right. So you could, you know, structure those things out and be able to think through that and understand as well, like, you know, what are the dietary requirements of the different advisors and, you know, just being well aware of those things and, you know, making sure wherever you're going, you can meet that. And, you know, it's those little touches are the other ways of where just really saying thank you over and over and over again. Like All right. I just wanted to feel like I am so absolutely grateful for every minute you're doing. And I know, you know, it's, it's not the money we're paying you is why you're here. And, you know, that's, you know, we're just not going to be able to do that. It's just not. Um, but I just, I'm super grateful like of, of every minute and, you know, just having that, that management and awareness, you know, there can be issues as well. You want to have a level of transparency. So if an advisor ever sees something that they're uncomfortable with, they can tell you, and they have, yeah. there's a way to do that. You have a system for that. Like they could, you know, you give them, you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, they're not really accountable, but their reputation is getting also tied to your company. Right. So you, we want, we would often have like, it's free reign, go wherever you want, look at whatever you want any anything you want to look at, right. Go and do that to where you're comfortable. And so, and and then they can also come back and say like, Oh, here's something I wasn't, I want to know more about, you know, here's, you know, you randomly will kind of grab behavior plans just so they could kind of see things and you know, oh, here's something I would want to understand more. or You know, why is this worded this way? And, you know, so uh, and you'll have advisors where it's like, I want to know these kind of things I want. And they may have a list of areas that they want to kind of know about and understand well. And, you know, you'd want to just make sure that you're, you they feel super comfortable and confident that you're a company that they want to be a part of. And so that's other areas where, you know, on the management side, before you start an advisory board, and we get into some of this as well, like that, that person is going to have to go and you know to whoever makes decisions about funding and being able to, to get that approved and you know real be be a real champion of, of the importance of this and and one area where you know the advisors will often interact with your board of directors or your leadership and they're again just kind of saying like here are things that we saw and suggested, and recommended, um, so your board of directors also see the benefit and right. so you often want to share you know with your board of directors or whoever is making decisions here, those same stories, you'll also want to share with them as well. Cause they're seeing like, Oh yeah, this is super beneficial. This is expensive, but wow, it is making a huge impact. And so you can, you want to be ready to, to also um, share those as part of management. So those are some of the key kind of management areas that I've you know seen uh, and that we highlight in the paper.
0: Yeah. And I think all those are great. And you go into, extreme detail on all of these. So I encourage any listeners interested, definitely check out the paper because you know, there are only so many logistical pieces we can really go into in, in an interview format like this. But I really appreciated your points about really having a focused understanding of what you're seeking from the advisory board. You cannot simply bring people in and just bombard them with any and everything you you've ever experienced and have questions about it, it seems like it needs to be a, a focus thing that's of course within their realm of expertise and interest
1: yeah yeah and that's where i just some way of capturing you know just throughout in so much of the management is between meetings right yeah. so there's a vast amount between meetings and then there's right before the meeting right where we're kind of a different level of you know, but it's, you know, really, that's where I just see a lot of that management kind of happening and um, just being cautious of, and, you know, you'll have other members of like, you might have a little team. It might be two or three of you that are getting together. Like, okay, we have our next advisory board meeting coming up here. The things that we've heard about, or, you know, you want to pull your clinical people like, Hey, what are some things that you guys would, would be interested in us hearing about with the advisors more on and they'll, they'll get, an awareness of what some of those things are so you're then thinking about how you could integrate that into the schedule and so you know those are you know the core kind of management areas where you're you know just again if you're just bombarding them you know with all kinds of massive problems and issues and you know it's um that can just be draining and you know you just want to balance you know where you're where you're not not stuck in a lot of that mode
0: that makes sense I wish we could go into all the logistics because you've done a phenomenal job of laying them out. I do want to be mindful of time. And, and before we wrap things up, I do want to ask about the approach approaching advisory board members. What does that contact look like? How do you go about selecting the people you're contacting? What are some of the considerations there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would use, you know, really, You know, thinking about where you're at, you know, what's the vision for your company, you know, and just kind of thinking about what kind of expertise could really help you achieve your vision. You want it to be really informed in that way and thinking about. And then so as you as you're thinking about that, then you start thinking about, you know, what are some some people within the field that have that kind of expertise? You know, and you kind of have your list of like, wow, this would be amazing if we could get this person. This person is also has a lot of knowledge and expertise in this area. And, you know, it would be a great resource also. So you're kind of generating your list and then, you know, you want to, you know, think about what are the different ways, you know, is it somebody that you already have a relationship with or that, you know, someone else that has a relationship, can you through an informal conversation kind of start like, Hey, is this something you would be interested in doing? And, you know, you could kind of start it that way. You know, we had a lot of success just with a letter, you know, real, just a, a genuine letter. And we, you know, give some details about that in the paper, but it's, you know, just saying like, Hey, here are some things that you've done. That's been pretty amazing. And, and, you know, here, here's our, what we're trying to achieve. And here's a little bit about our company. Here's how we think you could really help us. And, you know, just a genuine letter that can have a lot of impact and, you know, an email. Um, But, you know, I would, you know, just always thinking about like, yeah, these people have a lot of different emails that are coming their way and a lot of uh, different, aspects where people are trying to clamor for their time. And so you just want to find what are ways in which you could, could get ahead of a lot of those others. And, you know, just, I, you know, often it's, if you have somebody else who has has awareness of your company and can speak to your company and where you're at and speak to, you know, it, it, that can help the advisors as well. Cause remember again, like they're, they're putting their reputation is going to be tied to your company in some way. And so that, that is, is one area where we definitely have seen uh, advisors wanting to like, well, who is this company? What, are, what is it that they're doing? And you know, they're going to try to reach out. And so if you can have ways to, to, to navigate some of that can be very helpful also.
0: Do you see a use case for, for organizations who may be not already connected to people who may be potential advisory board members? Do you see a use case in them? creating some sort of other relationship first. Maybe we try to bring people in as a consulta- uh, consultant yeah. initially. Maybe we try to do a symposium or connect to them at a conference first.
1: Totally. I think any of that where you can get, and they with a whole goal of like having them feel very comfortable and with you. And, you know, there's a piece of, you know, even how you're structuring it. Cause you would, you would never want it to be like, okay, I want to get more of your time for less cost, <laughs> you know, like that's <laughs> not the goal with the, you know, like we were bringing on as a consultant. Now we're to transfer you to this other role where, you know, it's potentially more of a commitment and it's, it's often not that like, we just want to have this different kind of relationship with you. We don't want you to feel, feel all of the constraints of the consulting relationship. We want, you know, we just really feel like, you know, you could help us. And, and we want to move into more of this mentorship capacity and as other things come up and we want to do stuff, we want to use you in that, we'll, we'll, we'll still move into a consulting role. And so that, that wouldn't impact that. But, you know, I absolutely, if there are other, you know, symposium, any way that you can connect and, you know, just general networking areas, like, you know, another just tip for behavior analysts, you know, I would definitely try as much as possible to take advantage of any networking opportunity, even if it's just you attend a symposium, a talk, Sending an email like, "Wow, that was so amazing." Here, here are some some of the beneficial impacts when you have a chance to to, to talk to somebody. Talk to them. Don't don't start going in there and like want to bombard them with all the amazing research you're doing and all your technical knowledge. Like, just have a conversation and just get to learn. You know, just want to connect, want to understand. You know, share a little bit about you and um, gain some other information about others. But take advantage of those networking opportunities. You know, there's a lot of them and it's so amazing how often they're just missed, you know, it's, uh, and, and just, just really as, as much as possible, I would encourage taking, taking advantage of those. Cause those could lead to those other kind of relationships and other kind of connections. And, you know, so the, you, you could add advisors, um, but it was really surprising kind of how easy it is to get people onto your advisory board like it's you know when you come from a point of like we just want to do really good work and that's genuinely where you're coming from you're going to find a lot of people that want to help you like it's um and and then from there if you do a lot of the things that we suggest in the paper and you know you'll keep them on and then you'll be able to add more because they'll have other colleagues where they're like hey this was a real great thing for me and they may need to move on to something different but They'll have ideas for people that could fill their seat, and that when they're already starting those conversations, you're going to, you know, be in a in a place of where it's, you know, you'll you'll really look to expand your board pretty quickly.
0: This conversation has been unbelievably helpful. Yeah, I, I'm in academia. I do consult with with organizations, and I've just never thought about advisory boards, and to have this level of information about sort of the process of beginning to plan for one, set one up, pull it off logistically. This paper is a phenomenal resource and really just hits on all the areas that you would really need to be considering. And so thank you for that. I do want to be mindful of time here, but I I would be remiss if I didn't get to ask you if there are other resources, books, articles, blogs, Things like that that people could check out that are that are interested in this topic.
1: Yeah, and like like I was referencing, I mean, there this tends to be a real gap area. Like, mm. there's just not a lot here. And you know, I I um, highlighted earlier in the Wall Street Journal, for example, where they'll talk about just the mentors. And I think it's really pretty amazing when you see you know executives and CEOs of of large companies and the kind of mentors they're wrapping them wrapping themselves around. And, you know, we highlighted a paper by, you know, Gosha and Rio um, that talk about like the meta-analysis of mentoring and the mentorship role. And so there's a a reference to that in the paper. There's also reference to uh, uh Nasik and LeBlanc article, you know, that that got into facilitating meetings and running meetings. So there's some great hmm. suggestions there that we use because because, again, there's just going to be lots of meetings, you know, that that kind of happen. So, you know, those are, you know, kind of just immediate some areas where I would stay like, hey, invest some time here. Um, But, you know, look, you know, just there there. I wish there was a lot more resources that we could point to, and hopefully more and more in the future, you know, others will see, you know, this kind of paper. And, you know, it um, approaching and writing an article like this, like, this this was really a fun paper to write. It really was like, it was just a lot of, a lot of fun to, you know, think about, you know, how these are structured. And, you know, we had a really great team that got together and could bring a lot of different aspects, you know, to the article. And so we were, you know, just really grew, grew together very nicely. It wasn't a lot of effort, you know, just approached, you know, a situation that was going on a little more rigor, a little more, background and knowledge. With, and, and again, with the whole goal of like, the, you want to have an advisory board, like it's yeah. super helpful and this is how you do it. And, you know, that was the, the real spirit behind the paper. And we just kind of kept to that. And it just was, it, you know, I, I would really, really, really encourage companies. There's so many companies that are doing such cool things. And, you know, BAP is just a, a, an amazing resource for that you know, like it was immediately when we were writing this, we were first thing we're thinking about was behavior analysis in practice, you know, just was, you know, and, and I love behavior analysis practice it's my favorite, favorite journal, you know, just everything that's in there. It's like all, you know, just really written for the practitioner. It's like, these are things you can do, you know, and that's often what we're, what we need is like, ah, here's problems, you know, what, what can we do kind of right now? And again, like all research is amazing. And you know, there's so much of the awesome research that's informing a lot of clinical practice but when it comes time to like okay how do we do a lot of these things BAP is what I always kind of go to and it was such a nice fit for this paper and you know there it's I just would would encourage companies when you have these cool things going on just think about like writing it up and you know getting it to BAP you know because it's you know I think a, a a great outlet for that
0: absolutely and thank you for the resource in this paper Thank you for your time coming on the podcast today. I, I feel like I could probably spend another hour just asking questions uh, from all of this because I, I find it so fascinating. But I, of course, want to be respectful of time. And so thank you for coming on and talking about your paper today.
1: Yeah, thanks for including uh, including me and you know, wanting to find out a little bit more about the paper and getting information out there. was. I, I agree. It was a lot of fun. I could spend another hour just chatting <laughs> about it also. So thanks yeah.
0: again. Yeah, thanks. Before you take off, remember to subscribe and like us on whatever podcast player you use. Find us and follow us on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and to suggest recent bat papers you think we should review on this show. Links are available in the show notes. Finally, I'd like to thank a few people for helping create this podcast. Thanks to Stephanie Peterson, the editor of Behavior Analysis and Practice, The Journal. Thank you to ABAI for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you to my assistant producers, Elizabeth Nervaez and Jesse Perrin. And my production assistant for this episode, Tatiana Pilar. Finally, thank you to Jim Carr and his band, New Latitude, for letting us sample their song, Cruising Altitude throughout this podcast.